Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Uh, Brendan Escott, did I hear that story right? That in Salt Lake City, there is a beer truck that got in an accident and spilled beer cans everywhere. Right at a uh, right at a Jesus Christ Latter Day Saint. That's the Mormons at a Mormon church. Is that correct? Is that what went down? That's there? what I heard. Yeah, according to Miss Bell, absolutely. You know who would have been really excited about that in the late 1970s and maybe in the early 80s was Jim McMahon because he wasn't really Mormon when he played at Brigham Young. Uh, that's uh, the irony of that happening. Of all the places that that could occur at, that's yeah. So I just wish when I was uh, playing basketball with Dave Dr. Proctor uh, down at the uh, Jesus Christ Latter-day Saint uh, Church that was at that time on White Avenue. In fact, I think it's still there. Why didn't that happen when I was like in grade 11 and grade 12 back in the day? This is Bob Stoffer uh, joining you on Oilers Now. By the way, just a shout-out for all of our Oilers Now roadies. We had a terrific event last night in downtown New York City. It was old school, uh, lots of fun, lots of laughs. Uh, Speck swung by as well. We're going to coordinate another quick event before tonight's game. And speaking of Oilers Now road trips, we've got two great road trips coming up. You can join us in Chicago to see the Oilers and the Blackhawks in the second half of the season. Chicago is a truly amazing city if you've never been there before. Or we had a trip in Tampa. Uh, for a game against a real good team. I know that uh, Mike Babcock, uh, you know, uh, John Cooper was talking about the Lightning being underwhelming. I have another theory as to, because uh, the Lightning and the Leafs play tonight, I have another theory as to why the Lightning haven't been knocking it out of the park yet. They haven't had Braden Point. That guy's the driver on their team. He creates the mismatches for that hockey club. But anyways, we got a trip to Chicago and a trip to Tampa. Some great hockey. The Tampa trip includes a five-night Caribbean cruise. Packages include lower bowl game tickets, and we have a couple of welcome receptions built around that as well. You never know who's going to swing by for those events. So for the orders now, Chicago and Tampa Bay roadies, reach out to New West Travel, 780-432-7446, or go online at newwesttravel.com. We'll tell you the guests on our show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, uh, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. All right. We're into full disclosure on this show. We do not lie. Uh, because we want to have better audio quality, we pre-taped our conversation with Louis DeBrosque, who joins us every Thursday. Louis is our Oilers Now headliner for touchback safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your 
training solutions at touchbacksafety.com. Here's our conversation with Louis DeBrusque. Louie, all is well in the Oilers' world right now. 3-0 start as they get ready to take on the New Jersey Devils tonight. Uh, James Neal's leading the NHL in goals and power play goals. Connor McDavid's tied for the NHL scoring lead. McDavid and Drysaddle are tied for the assist lead. And Zach Cassian scored in every game. So, uh, decent start with a solid performance in the victory against the good hockey club, the Islanders, on Tuesday night. So, uh, what's going on here right now? I think you have a bunch of guys that right now are feeling it. You know, there, there was a lot of turnover on this team, as we all know. Ken Holland really wanted to put his stamp on the team, wanted to bring in different individuals, and he had to do it um, under a budget. You know, so he took some flyers on some different guys. Haas, Nygaard, brought Yurcho in here to give him an opportunity, a player that he had in Detroit for years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you didn't really know how it was going to pan out. You didn't know how they were going to blend together when you put them together. But uh, the other big change was Dave Tippett, you know, the coaching staff. They brought in some different people there, some different personalities, and it's worked so far. It's gelled, you know. And listen, Dave Tippett said after the game versus the Islanders, the first couple of games you could see it coming. There was some adversity there. There were some things we definitely need to clean up, and we were lucky to get away with wins, but he likes the fact they did. But the New York Islander game, to me, was a complete game. That was a complete team game. They were in control of that game. Even when they went down one nothing on the shorthanded goal by Beauvillier, um, the response was great. That's, that's what you like to see. They were the better team up until that point, and they just continued it forward afterwards, which is a sign of a good team. It's a sign of a team that's hungry and wants to be better, and um, that's all you can really ask for right now. But, yeah, you know what? It's, it's early in the season. I know all the players continue to say that every time we do an interview with them. It's early because it is game by game. The next one's the next one, and uh, they're going to have a, a very hungry opponent, the New Jersey Devils, tonight that haven't won yet this year. March 29th. That's when James Neal scored his yeah. sixth goal last year for the Calgary Flames. This is a guy with 10, 20-plus goal seasons in the NHL, basically in a full year because a lot of the years he scored, say, 24-25, those were in like 65 to 68 games. In a full year, he averages roughly 28 to 31 goals a year. So he's uh, clearly bounced back here. He's found a real nice rhythm over the last two games because he wasn't on the first unit power play for the first game on the power play. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see if you're an Oilers fan. That's for sure. It's really exciting to see, and it's exciting for James Neal, a guy that that, that became the norm for him. Uh, I asked him yesterday if there was any adversity that he faced throughout his career, and he did. There was a stretch that I did look up, and he had two goals in like a 34 game stretch. So he's faced a little bit of that in his career, but never the type of season that he had in Calgary last year. So what did he do? He went back to the drawing board. And, I mean, literally, he went back and started training with Gary Roberts again, a guy that he's known since he was 14 years old. He really conditioned himself. He made sure he was 100% ready to come in. He's played a ton of hockey in his career, and especially the back-to-back Stanley Cup final losses, which are maybe even more grueling than the wins, to be honest with you. Um, and I saw it firsthand myself with my son going through that. It's hard to recover from that, and especially in back-to-back years with Nashville and Vegas like he did. Uh, you know what, this, this is the real deal James Neal here. This is what he has been his whole career. He's gotten off to streaky starts before. This is just part of the program for him. So I think it was kind of reestablishing that for James. Um, you always wonder a little bit, if is this the time that I've lost it? Is this kind of the downward spiral of an aging player? Um, I think he's put that to rest. And listen, the power play needed a guy like him. Alex Chason came in and did a terrific job too, and he's also a guy that can be used in positions on that power play. But James Neal, over the course of his career, has shown he's been a dynamic scorer, and he's been able to score 
in unique ways. You know, it's not like he's always scoring the picture-perfect goal. He just has a nose around the net. He's a natural goal scorer. Um, the thing that makes that power play tick, Glenn Gulch, has done a great job of really getting those guys to buy in to being moving, to being a shooting mentality. Connor McDavid, the way he challenges right now from the half wall into the middle, has to be one of the most dangerous things a penalty kill can see because when he starts to walk in within a millisecond, he's on you. And he has so many options that he has the processor to make those plays. Leon Dreisaitl looks like a new player this year again, too. I know that sounds crazy after a 50-goal, 100-point season, but there's a little, there's, there's just an extra little bit of confidence in his game right now. Um, he looks leaner out there. He looks quicker out there. And he looks hungry. So that's a real positive sign early on as well. But for James Neal, I don't know if you could have asked for it to go any better for him after what happened last year to come into the season. Uh, good to see. We're joined by Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Louis uh, is our headliner today for touchback safety. Bob Stoffer with you in New York on Oilers. Now, so, Louis, I mean, you just take a look at that power play. All right, so you have McDavid and Drysaddle, two of the top four scorers in the play league. Let's not forget Ryan Nugent Hopkins in that 1 3 1 formation is the other guy. And Ryan, historically speaking, has been a first unit power play producer. He is produced on that level. Like, I would argue he was probably a second line player at even strength, but he's a first liner in the power play. You have three separate guys that can make plays, and so it has. Doesn't matter. Milan Lucic scored 12 power play goals. People forget this in 16, mm-hmm. 17. Kind of towards the end of the year, lost that job to Maroon, yep. who ended up scoring 27. Better and tight. Right, better and tight. And Maroon got 27 goals. And then the emergence of Chase on last yep. year, who got moved in that unit. Also good and tight. Well, the guy that's got the highest ceiling, or at least historically has had the biggest numbers, has been James Neal. Well, I kind of joked with him yesterday too, and and he he knows that. You don't think that he knew come when he got traded to Edmonton, he looked at that roster and said, are you kidding me? I'm going to play with three centermen that can pass the puck? Okay, it's time to put the work in and be ready for this. He was really excited about coming to Edmonton, and that's that's a positive thing. Um, you know, to have a guy like him that's been around, that's played the amount of hockey that he has, number one, have something to prove. Number two, be really excited, and why not to come and play with the best player in the world and a couple guys that are super dynamic themselves. Getting back to Nugent Hopkins, you know, he's the one guy in this whole mix that probably hasn't got the credit early on. He's done some really good things. I liked his game a lot against the Islanders. And he played the most of those three guys. He was, you know, he he had his feet moving. He had three shots on that. He was starting to become dangerous. Didn't tie into any of the scoring plays, but just the speed that power play can attack with, with those three forwards especially. Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, McDavid barreling down on you and able to enter into the zone with possession. Um, it should be a deadly power play. Let's face it, Bob, with the personnel they have yeah. on it, and it is. All right. I want to talk about some unheralded guys here. I want to start with a couple of right shot uh, defensemen yeah. that are really getting their first proverbial kick of the can here. I thought Ethan Bear was stellar against the Islanders. So he's had two to three games. He's been really good. There was some touchy moments against LA, a bit of a miscommunication on a goal with Smith. But I, I mean, Ethan Bear for me looked like did not look like a guy who was playing his 21st NHL game. And then Joel Person playing just his second NHL game. So your thought on those two right shot D? Well, you know, Ethan Bear first and foremost, I like. I, I was really impressed with his poise against the Islanders. You know, down there at ice level watching that, it just he, he just seems to have taken another large step in his development. That's how he played in junior. You know, he was one of those players that wasn't afraid to walk the line, wasn't afraid to hold on to a puck, 
this is a skilled kid. This is a kid that can put up points, and he has put up points everywhere he's gone. Um, and it'll come at the NHL level as well. He needed to do some things to change himself into a pro player. And there's no question, just looking at that guy at the start of the year, watching him do interviews, the cheekbones, you could see them. This guy's becoming a pro. He's put the work in, and as you tell every young player, you put the work in off the ice, it'll pay dividends on the ice. And for Ethan Bear, it has. It truly has. It's made him quicker, which allows him to have a little bit more time Time with the puck, you give him time, he has the skill set to make plays when he does have that time, and he's starting to do that. For Joel Pearson, um, you know, this is a guy, I talked to him the other day, and he said he still is adjusting to the smaller ice surface. This is a player that from Sweden, you know, they just play a different system a, on a bigger ice surface, it's a different mentality. More time. More time. So when you have more time, he could really look up and make that solidified play. He said everything, you you're, you're have to do things so much quicker at this level. Um, I said, well, listen, is there anything that's easier here in North America? And he goes, well, you're closer to the net for the shot. So he said, that's the one positive thing. You know, when I get to shoot the puck, I am going to be a little bit closer to the net. So, But uh, it's a positive attitude. Again, another player that's come in, he's a veteran player, a little bit older, and he has poise in his game. He's not afraid to hold on to the puck to make a play. He can weather a hit and still make a play. There's no panic, which is the most important asset for a defenseman in the game today. All right, so uh, one more player. I want to talk about just the return of the lineup of this guy against the Islanders. You said it was the most complete game, Louie. Yep. Riley Sheehan down the middle, and Sheehan with Kara and Patrick Russell, and that that line had strong territorial play. You know, it's amazing, because when you look at Barry Trotz and what the New York Islanders did last year, the, the Edmonton Oilers did to Trotz's team what they did to a lot of teams last year. And it, I think it overwhelmed them a bit. I don't think they... They really expected Edmonton, number one, to be as deep as they were, number two, to be as fast as they were. Um, that line was heavy. That was a heavy line every single time they were on the ice. I mean, Patrick Russell could have had five points in the game. I know. He had himself All in the that. slot at least three different times where he had a real good look a couple times it bounced over a stick on the side of the net that's what you want from your bottom six and there's been an emphasis here from the from the get-go listen there were things they had to be better at first and foremost it was the goals against they had to defend better well how do you defend better you become better as a team you become deeper as a team and they have done that they've added speed to their lineup they've added a little bit of size to their lineup and right now the combinations seem to work and and that line especially with Kara, Shane, and Russell, um, they're heavy. I'll tell you what, they hemmed in the Islanders a few times where they just absolutely grounded and pounded them in the offensive zone. They didn't get rewarded for it. They didn't get rewarded offensively, but that's just keeping the momentum and the game playing in your favor. You can't have your third and fourth lines or 3-1, 3-A, three, three, three 3-B three uh, be liabilities on the ice where you're allowing the opposition to take over control of the game. They have to keep that momentum going and they did that very well. Two more questions for Louis DeBrus. Louis is our headliner today for touchback safety. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you in New York City. So, Louis, you mentioned Dave Tippett to begin with. Uh, you have experience with Dave Tippett. You've known him a long time. What makes him a good coach, in your opinion? Well, you know, it's funny because I've I've been really thinking this over and, and hashing it over trying to figure that out. I've always felt he was a good coach because he was a great communicator, which I believe is true. But, you know, just in talking to the players here firsthand, um, the biggest word that I'll use about Dave Tippett is trust. Okay? It's trust. 
players trust him and he trusts the players. And that's essential to have that relationship between coach and players. He trusts you to do a job on the ice. The players trust that if they do their job, he's going to play them. That's what any player wants is to know that a coach trusts in what you do and is going to give you the opportunity to prove that. The worst feeling for a player is when you look back behind you and you think, this guy doesn't trust me one iota and isn't going to put me on the ice. The other thing, too, is um, he tells you the truth. He's straightforward. It's truth. There's no BSing. It's like, listen, this is what we expect from you. And then, you know, talking with Zach Cassian, one of the other things for me that I think is, is special in a coach and is very important is making everybody feel important. He lifts everybody up and makes them feel the best about their game. Um, now, you might say, well, isn't that just coaching? Well, no. You know what? In this, this big world of the National Hockey League, the top level of this sport in the world, it is about winning. And there's different processes to try and get to that winning. But if you can have those attributes that Dave Tippett has, you can see already the players love playing for him. Um, for instance, we talked about it after the first game. Archibald turned over a puck late in the game and it resulted in the goal by uh, Pearson on the shot from the blue line. Deflection. But you know what? He didn't sit him. He didn't bench him. He chucked him right back out there the next shift and said, you know what? Go out and correct it. Do better. That is how you build trust. That is how you build a relationship. Same with Dreisaitl turning the puck over on the, on, the, on the power play. Like, go get me that one back. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, Mike Smith not pulling him early. It's developing trust. Trust is a huge word in this game, and especially in that relationship between coach and player. I think it's essential. You have to have it. Um, he has it right now. And you know what? The guys, I, I just see a, for me, I see a lot of guys here now that, that have been around for a while, and they're just ready to take the next step. I think they have a, a different look, a different desire, and a different uh, mentality coming into this year. You never know how it's going to be when you bring nine brand new bodies into the organization and then you bring up a couple guys in Russell and Baird that were not on the starting roster last year. It's like, well, how are you going to do when you've changed over half your team? Almost every single line has changed with the exception of the top line, yeah. which stayed the same from the end of last year with Cass on the right side of the Drysdale McDavid. It's always kind of roll the dice, and it still will be until they really figure out the right mix. But I have to tell you, that was maybe one of the most complete games I've seen this team play since I've been here. All Right. And the final question, tonight's opponent, the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. They started out like a house on fire in their opening game. They were up 4 nothing. It's been all downhill since then. They're 0-2-1. They ended up losing that first game in OT. Uh, dropped the last two games. They're struggling a bit, but they pounded the Oilers last season with two entirely different teams. Winning over in Europe uh, when we were in Sweden at the start of the year last year. And then with basically half their AHL team beating the Oilers in Edmonton later on in the year. So how do you see this matchup and what challenges do you think uh, the Oilers are going to have with the Devils? I think the challenges are going to be very similar to the Islanders. They're speedy. And, you know, if you look at the first period last night versus the Flyers, they outshot the Flyers. They had a ton of great chances. They also had a five-on-three late in the second period in a one-nothing game. So that game could have completely been different. So I know it was a four-nothing win for the Philadelphia Flyers and good on them in their home opener, but... This New Jersey Devil team can fly. They attack, they pressure, um, they have some active defensemen, they have some offensive defensemen, some guys that can make plays. So I look at this game, and we just talked about a little earlier, that this is a dangerous game. You know, you look at a team that's wounded. You know, never grab a wounded but tiger. They've had the Oilers. They've had the Oilers number, <laughs> That's though. what I'm saying. So I, I think the Oilers know that, and I think that the game plan is always going to be the same. Um, Dave Tippett's said it numerous times through his ten, short tenure here already, is we're not overly worried about the opposition if we're taking care of ourselves. And that really is essentially the game.
game plan for every coach. If you can get your team to implement the system and play the way you want them to play, then it really doesn't matter what the other team does because you're trying to do what you do. Do what you do. You know, do you. So um, that's exactly what's going to have to happen again tonight. They did that against the Islanders. They went out there. They pressured. Four lines rolled. Um, they used their speed on the attack. It was a five-man group up and down the ice. It'll be essential to do that again tonight because this team, um, although I believe the the Devils are still trying to find their identity, they've got some new bodies. They've shuffled around their lineup. John Hines has tried to switch some things up. They have some firepower over there. They have some real fast players, and he's just trying to find the right mix. And uh, when they do, they can really be on. So this will be a real test tonight. That is Louis DeBrusque. is... Our headliner today brought to you by the folks at Touchback Safety. Your safety is their goal. Discover your safety training solutions. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Backsafety.com. Bob Stoffer, Brennan S. Scott with you. We'll get to some text when we return. It's 1253 in Edmonton. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 12.56 in Edmonton. Portions of Oilers Now are brought to you by Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. Come be a part of the small town atmosphere and let them prove why cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge is an eight-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They will look after you. You can go visit Rich and Milt and Johnny and the gang out at Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin. Give them a call, one 477 3673 or visit them, brentridge.com. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stauffer with you. Epstein's mother has texted us at 630-630. Bob, would the Oilers have to make a roster move if they activated Josh Archibald? And the answer to that is yes. Um, in theory, I think we mentioned this yesterday, but you can uh, move, uh, let's just say for sake of argument, Colby Cave as an example, to non-roster waivers. You theoretically could do that uh, today. I believe it has to be done by, uh, I think, 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock Eastern. Anyhow, you can move a player to non-roster waivers, and then when that player clears, he has to go down. Conversely, Brandon Manning was put on regular waivers and stayed. Um, And that's a little bit of a a glitch there. So a guy could go on non-roster waivers tonight, go on the waivers tomorrow, and then have to go down the day after. So I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, again, we don't have, uh, we've not had a uh, meeting this morning. We'll talk to Dave Tippett today at 5 o'clock. 
Uh, this text comes into us from Stephen Red Deer, Alberta. He says, Bob, I think a lot of people are underestimating Connor Yamamoto after an injury plague season. He's been a cut above the rest so far. I know we had an extensive debate about Yamamoto last night with some of the people around the team. Uh, I, I think Kyler could be a second line right wing. I think for sure he'll play as a top nine guy and kill some penalties. He's quick, smart player. But he does does need to get some time in down in uh, Bakersfield and maybe rebuild a little bit of confidence as well. All righty. Uh, one more text. Let's get to it. This is from Bruno in Toronto. He says, Bob, I don't want to hear one more person say it's too early for Oilers fans to be optimistic. Yes, it's very early, and we can lose the next three. I get that. But we, the fans, deserve to be happy and should enjoy the great start. Winning creates a positive energy, which is contagious. If we were 0-3, everybody would be writing us off already. Let Holland do his thing. He obviously knows what he's doing. Um, Cautious optimism. Like, you know what? I'm liking some things we're seeing. We'll talk about that a bit more coming up in the second hour of the show with Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.